Hey, listen, you know what? There are like a couple hundred kids on that end of the building this morning. This is like incredible. And um, so I just wanted to thank you for, for being here today and enjoying this experience and joining with us on this experience. But let me just, let me just give you some color as to where we're going this morning. Um, life at times just has a way of throwing a curveball in our direction. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There are times in life when we are just dealt with things that come out of left field. We, we did not anticipate them. We didn't expect it. We, we had no idea that we'd be in this position. And, and it's at that very moment that it would be awesome if we had some superhero power. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's... Only 12 of y'all remember that? (laughs) Sorry, I'm telling my age. Now, wouldn't it be awesome if you could take Superman's name out of that and put your own? I mean, that would be incredible. I I don't know about you, but, but me, there have been times in my life when I have needed superhero power. I mean, there have been times that I needed Superman's ability to fly. There have been times that I needed Flash Gordon's speed. There have been times that I needed Batman's money. Everybody knows that Batman bought his superpowers. Or, Or how about Professor X's ability to read minds? It would be awesome if I could come in here and just like do some mental telepathy. On second thought, that may be a little scary. (laughs) Let me uh, let me let me share a couple of stories with you, though, this morning that I think will kind of give you some color here. Um, in, In my childhood, I can remember watching the superheroes friends network and and, and like seeing superman fly and and for some reason when i saw superman fly the creative side of my brain went into overdrive and as a seven-year-old i just thought if superman could fly then i should be able to fly (laughs) didn't always work out I remember watching the cartoon and making a beeline for my bedroom after the cartoon was over and I grabbed my masculine blankie and some of you have one of them too and um, I wrapped it around my neck, tied it real tight, I went out in the front yard and I would take off running as fast as I could and I thought if I dove just right the cape would catch air and I'd I got nothing but a mouthful of dirt most of the time and then I had this ingenious idea that I needed elevation. Seven years, old, seven years old, climbing on the roof, looking down, my knees trembling, thinking that if you jump just right, the cape would catch the air, the wind, and whew, you'd fly. The ground seemed to break my fall every time. And even as an adult, there have been times that I have needed superhero power ability. Just recently, the staff and I, we had to uh, go out of town, out of state for a conference. And we were flying back home and we had a layover in Atlanta. And and as we had this layover, we had probably about an hour to burn. I I sat down and I grabbed a USA Today and I began to peruse through the articles. And as I'm looking through the articles, I ran across a very interesting article where they were interviewing this champion MMA fighter, mixed martial arts champion. They were asking him all kinds of questions, and they asked him this one question. What do you fear 
most. And he said this. He said, I have one fear. He said, I fear flying. Now, that was probably not something that I should have read as we're about to board the plane. (laughs) But for some strange reason, I continued to read this. And as I read it, the interviewer asked this dude, he said, why do you fear flying? And I promise you, everything else on the page turned into a blur except for this one quote. And I'm going to tell you what it was. He said, and I quote, if you get on a plane, you will die. I'm thinking to myself, God, are you trying to tell me something? I mean, God, is this a sign? Because if it is, just give me one more. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I got all these Christians with me, this staff. He's not going to let the plane go down. (laughs) I know they're saved. So then I thought, well, okay, everything's cool. So we board the plane a little while later, and I kind of shelved that in the back of my brain. And and as we get on the plane and we put our carry-ons up, Kim and I sit in the seat. Well, directly across from the aisle from me is a lady who's reading this this Bible devotional. And so when I saw this, I thought, I'm even more comfortable now. There's more Christians on this plane. (laughs) And so she's reading this devotional. And me being the nosy person that I am, I just kind of leaned over to see what she was reading. The title of her devotion for that day, and I quote, was, Prepare to Meet God. (laughs) Kid you not, I shared this with the staff that day. I said, man, what's going on here? The problem is the the plane was already taxiing down the runway. (laughs) I was like, God, that second sign's a little late. At that very moment, I wish that I had the ability to teleport myself somewhere else. (laughs) But in all seriousness, there are times in our lives when we need to connect with a superpower. But you know what? We have the ability to tap into a superpower. The world calls that superpower a higher power, but that that higher power has a name. His name is God. And God has the ability to take ordinary people and do some extraordinary things. You see, some of you have gathered in this place today and you need God to do some extraordinary things. You need God in your life to do some incredible things, some super things. Maybe you found yourself in positions that you never dreamed you'd be in. Maybe you're in a difficult spot in your life. Maybe you're in more trouble than you ever thought you'd be in. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe your finances are in ruins. Maybe you have a child who's fighting an addiction. Maybe you are. Maybe you're having the difficulty that just you just never, ever thought that you would have. You see, I would bet with a crowd this size that there are many people in here today, you, you just have not a clue as to what to do, and you need God's help. Can I ask you this question? What do you need God to help you with? Because here's the truth. No matter how much of a Christ follower you are, whether you've been a Christ follower for a hundred years or whether you don't know Christ at all today, you need help. And God wants to help you. You see, today, some of you in here, you're paralyzed by this four-letter word that's ugly, it's horrific, it is a cancer, and it's called fear. You're paralyzed by fear. 
Today, I want to give you some biblical concepts that will enable you to defeat fear. I'm going to show you what the scripture says in this one story that will enable you to kind of fly over the top of of fear. Let's pause and connect with God in prayer, can we? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we pause with you. We, Lord, just sometimes we find ourselves in a position to where you're the only one that can fix our dilemma. Today, God, I ask you to allow this word to fall upon ears that are receptive and a heart that's open. And God, today, may you do as, as only you can do. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Listen, this morning, I want to take you on a superhero's journey. As we begin this, this brand new series today uh, called Superheroes and Sidekicks, I, I, I want to walk you through some superheroes of faith in Scripture. Today, I want to begin to show you just, just one of those dudes. This, this, these people that have superhero faith, for some strange reason, they found themselves at the end of their ropes. They didn't have anywhere to turn. But somehow they connected and partnered with God and they did some extraordinary things. Today, I want to show you how you can do the same thing. So take your Bibles out with me and turn to Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 16. Yeah, that was good. All the guests are looking around like, what's going on? (laughs) Well, we do that. Anyway. Let me, let me walk you through this because today I want to talk about one individual. This individual didn't have the ability to leap tall buildings in a single bound. But what he did do was he took 300 men into battle against 200,000 fierce warriors. What seemed to be a hopeless battle, this guy won. Why? Because he partnered with God. Today, you may think that you're in a hopeless battle, but if you'll partner with God and you'll listen to these concepts, you'll be able to overcome the struggles and the obstacles that are in your life. You see, this dude's name was Gideon. Gideon is a superhero in the Bible. Gideon holds a a major role in, in the life and the history of Israel. Gideon is one dude who was a man of valor. He was a mighty warrior. He was a general. He had uh, just, just accolade after accolade. Just an incredible guy. He took 300 warriors into battle and he wiped out 200,000 Midianites. Just like that. And because of it, he saved all of Israel. He saved the nation. You see... Can I tell you this? As awesome as that is, and most of us can remember the story of Gideon, most of us know that he, he did something incredible. It didn't start out that way for Gideon. And in fact, I don't necessarily want to look at the thing that Gideon did. What I want to do is backtrack with you a little bit, and I want to look at the days that led up to that event. Because there were some significant things that were going on below the surface when it came to Gideon. There were some things that he was struggling with, some, some obstacles, some, some difficulties. As, as awesome as he, he ended up being, it didn't start out that way for him. In fact, he was going through some very horrific experiences. Gideon was homeless. He was broke, busted, and disgusted, as we say. He was living on the run. He, he had nothing to eat. Relationships around him were falling apart. The nation of Israel was fragmented. There was no money. There were no food. There were no friends. It was a horrific experience. Chaos everywhere. But on top of all of that, Gideon was gripped, was paralyzed 
by that four-letter word, fear. I think today if you'll listen to to the concepts of Gideon, you'll be able to, to do some things that Gideon did. Let's just see how we can relate to Gideon. Look with me at Judges chapter 6, verse 1. I'm going to read this to you. Just kind of hang out with me for a second. I'm going to walk you through some of these verses. Verse 1 says this. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, now understand when it says again, it's obvious that the people of Israel were a lot like us. They just made mistakes. And they had done this time and time again. But look what happens. It says, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the Midianites because sometimes we gloss over that. The people of Israel fought the Midianites 200 years before this and destroyed them. The Midianites were, were gone. The problem is, for the next 200 years after they destroyed them, they lost their focus. The people of Israel did. They quit depending upon God. And so God removed his protection. He removed his blessing. All the while, the people of, of Israel quit multiplying. They quit growing in number. But the Midianites... Man, the Bible says that they were like swarms of locusts. There were so many. Let's just say that they were practicing uh, reproduction. You'll get that when you get home. Um, Anyway, they were growing in in vast, vast numbers all the while. And and so they had taken over. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says this. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive... The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Now, what kind of life would that be? Hanging out in a cave every day. You lost your home. You've lost your car. You've lost everything. You just don't have anywhere to turn. Verse 3, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare one living thing, not even sheep, cattle, or donkeys. Man, this is rough. This is horrible. Now look what happens in verse 5. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. How many of you have ever cried out to God for help? I know I have. Look what happens in verse 7. Because they cried out, uh, God sends this prophet And this prophet in verses 7 through 10, he begins to tell them all that God had done for them. Man, we brought you out of Egypt. God brought you out of Egypt. He he, he gave you their land. He ran your oppressors out in front of you. He, he, He gave you your inheritance. He did all of this stuff for you. Now look what he says at the end of verse 10. But you have not listened to me. This is God speaking. But you have not listened to me. He told them not to worship other gods. But you have not listened to me. Kind of sounds like a parent. When our kids disobey, they just don't follow, they're just not obedient, we we tend to have some consequences. They tend to just, there's some things that happen. This is what's going on here with God. Now verse 11 is an incredible verse because the dialogue begins to change some. Now all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appears to to Gideon and, and some theologians believe that this was the Lord himself. What's incredible about this is I think God's got a funny sense of humor when we read this in a couple of different places. Because number one, uh, Gideon is scared to death. Keep in mind, his knees are trembling. And the Bible says all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appeared in front of him. Well, maybe I'm the only one that finds that humorous. (laughs) But I think that would be awesome. That would be scary. Anyway, um, boo. Um, 
Only me. Um, look at what happens here. He has this conversation with him, and he, and he sits down uh, underneath this Oprah that belonged to Joash. And, and so the son, uh, or Gideon, was threshing wheat in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And then verse 12 starts something incredible for Gideon. The angel of the Lord said this. He said, the Lord is with you. Everybody say, the Lord is with you. A little louder. The Lord. A little louder. The Lord is with you. I love that verse because it tells me that God's my ally. Gideon was receiving this information. Hey, listen, God's with you. Listen, there is no greater ally than God. But then he goes one step further, and this is where I think the second biblical humor comes into play because what does he call him? Mighty warrior. There's nothing at all mighty about Gideon, Gideon at this point in his life. Gideon is hiding. He's a scaredy cat. He's scared to death. But yet God does something here. If you haven't caught it, this is what I love. God doesn't look at Gideon in his present circumstance. He looks past that. God looks at Gideon's potential. You see, God looks at not your circumstance, not your problem, not your obstacle. He does not view you the way you view you. He has this ability to see your potential. God sees potential. You see, God looked into Gideon's life and he saw things in Gideon that Gideon didn't even see in himself. And you know what's awesome about God? He does you and me the same way. He sees things in you and in me that that we don't even see in ourselves. And then on top of that, he says, I'm with you. You see, the Bible is telling you today, God is with you. He's on your side. God is for you. Now, what is awesome about this is I want you to look at Gideon's response. Look at verse 13 with me. Gideon has kind of an oddball response, but it shows that he's ordinary. shows that he's like us. It shows that he's mortal. It says, when Gideon heard all of this, Gideon kind of began to, to, to do a couple of things. He, he basically pulled the pin on a grenade and launched it. And he asked the mortal question. Why? Why? Look at it in, in, in verse 13. Why? God, if you're with me, then why am I running why god why am i having these difficulties why is all of this stuff going on in my life think about this with me for a second i I don't i don't know if you've ever noticed but when you're traveling down the road and and on the horizon you see the storms of life coming there's like this knee-jerk reaction that we all have we kind of hit the brakes once we hit the brakes our insecurities begin to rise up (laughs) All of a sudden, we begin to to question two very distinct people because of our insecurities arising up in us. First off, we question God. And then we question ourselves. Just like Gideon was doing. Gideon was saying, okay, God, if you're with me, then why am I living in a cave? Okay, God, if you're with me, why am I on the run? Okay, God, if you're with me, why does my stomach hurt so bad because I haven't had anything to eat? If you're with me, God, why do my enemies continue to to win? If you're with me, God, why is my marriage in turmoil? If you're with me, God, why does no one seem to like me? 
If you're with me, God, why is my finances just in ruins? If you're with me, God, why did I receive a pink slip at work yesterday? If you're with me, God, why is my child the, the way that he is? God, if you're with me, I, I, I don't understand this because you should be answering my prayers. But God, you don't seem to be answering my prayers. God, everything seems to be going south. I seem to be going backwards, not forwards. You ever felt that way? That's what Gideon was saying to him. God, if you're with me, then why? I, I don't understand this. You see, you know what Gideon was doing? If you'll look back at verse 13, Gideon did something. Gideon... A lot of times when we hit the brakes, when the storm of life comes up, we drop the B word. Not that B word. Some of you are looking at me like, huh? We drop the butt. The big, huge, honking butt. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter. Um, but God. But God. But, but, but God. But, but, but God, I, I don't understand, God. You see, we as, we as Christ followers, we, we, just, we, we tend to just do those types of things. Now, now look, look with me, though, at Gideon's response. After all this, Gideon had made this, why God, why God, but, but, but God. Now, look at what God did. Now, I want to read it the way I interpret this. Because verse 14, God just looks at Gideon and he says, Gideon, man, just go tired of your whining man just just go kind of like we parents do our kids just go go in the strength that i gave you go with the 20 dollar bill i just gave you go go in the strength that i i gave you and then he says this he says and save israel well just as soon as Gideon heard save Israel, Gideon begins to question himself. He's like, whoa, 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 hold on just a second. Woo, I'm out. You want me to save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. Look at it. This is what it says. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. You know what Gideon was doing? Gideon was overwhelmed by the fear of failure. He didn't think he was good enough. He didn't think he was tall enough. He didn't think he was strong enough. He didn't think he was pretty enough. He didn't think he had the ability to run fast enough. He, he didn't think he could do it. Some of you feel the same way today. You don't feel like you've got the talent. You don't feel like you've got the strength. You don't feel like you're tall enough, pretty enough, skinny enough, whatever. You, you've heard can't do for so long, you're wrapped up in it. You see, Gideon was overwhelmed with, with the fear of failure. We, we Christians, you know what we do a lot of times as a Christ follower? We tend to just lob all of these excuses to God. God asks us to do something and we're, we're, well, God, we can't. And this is why we're making all of these excuses. And, and so often we make so many excuses. We're so busy making excuses as to why not to do what God asks us to do that we miss the doorway that God wants us to walk through. We, we miss it all together. We're just like, God, I don't know. We have such a fear of failure that we fail to do anything. And Gideon, was, he was wrapped up with this, just making excuses, making excuses. And God was saying, no, Gideon, I, I want you now. You see, we do the same thing. I, let me just share this with you. I've never shared this before. I have people ask me all the time, whenever you go and you speak in different places and, and at church, how, how do you feel? I mean, how, how, how do you feel? How do you do that? Because a lot of people have nerves when it comes to public speaking. It's the most fearful thing I've read. 
Can I just be honest with you? I'm scared to death. Some of you would say, well, I, I could never tell. Well, I, I'm scared to death. I'm nervous. I, I'll brush my teeth in the mornings before I go and have a speaking engagement. And while I'm brushing my teeth, I want to throw up. You know why? Because I feel ill-equipped and unprepared. It doesn't matter how much I work on my talk. It doesn't matter how much I pray. It doesn't matter how many times I run it through my head. I feel ill-equipped and unprepared. This talk alone today, I worked on for 25 hours. All week long. At 3 o'clock in the morning, last night, I felt ill-equipped and unprepared. I, 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 I need to pray over it more. I need to think over it more. I, I felt that, you see, I can identify with Gideon when it comes to that. But here's what I know about God. God is not concerned with my ability. He is very concerned with my availability. He wants to make sure that, that we make ourselves available. Now, let me tell you this. Because there are people in this place, rather than being stoked with the potential of life... You are gripped by fear. God did not give you the spirit of fear. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, that, that God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but he gave us love, power, and a sound mind. You see, some of you today, you need to grab a hold of that, that sound mind and that, that power thing. And here's the question that I think you need to answer before you can leave this place. If you don't hear one more thing, I want everybody to look at me. Here's the question that you've got to answer. I promise you, if you do not answer this question, if you just let it just blow over your head, you're going to leave this place and you're going to miss the plans that God has for you. The question is this. What has God called you to do that fear is keeping you from doing? Because every last one of you in here, God has called you to do something. God has a divine appointment for you. He has a divine calling for you. He has a, a reason for your existence. You're not just taking up air on this awesome earth purposely. Is that right? Yeah. You've got to know that God needs you. Some of you right now, God has called you to, 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 to work on your relationship, to restore a relationship. But you know what? You fear intimacy, so you don't do it. Some of you today, God has called you just to step beside of you, outside of your cubicle at work and, and tell the person beside of you who Jesus is, but yet you fear rejection, so you won't do it. You see, some of you right now, you feel a tug at your heart because Christ, you know that you should have a relationship with him, but yet you have this fear of stepping out. Can I say this to you today? God is for you. He's with you. Don't be paralyzed by fear because there's a mighty warrior inside of you today. And if you'll allow your faith to collide with your fear, faith will win every time and you will have a superhero's faith. I promise you, you will. Now, let me just say this to you and then I'm, uh, we're going to be closing, wrapping this up in just a couple of minutes. There are so many people who are stuck in what I call the can't do phase of life. You have heard that you can't do something. You, someone has spoken that into your life and you believe it. And so you're just hung out in between your problem and your victory. Just like Gideon. Gideon was in between a rock and a hard place. He was in between his problem, the Midianites, and his victory where he had to take them on. He was hanging out there. Some of us, we hang out there way too long. 
We just hang out because we truly believe the can't-do status. But let me tell you something. I, I want you to follow two easy steps that Gideon found out. And if you'll follow these two steps, just these two little steps, I promise you, you'll elevate your faith to a super faith. Here's what Gideon found out. Number one is this. We have to understand God's supernatural addition. God loves to add things to our lives. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you love to receive the blessing of God? He loves to add things to your life. In fact, in verse 14, when he's having this dialogue with Gideon, he says, Gideon, just go in the strength that I've given you. Go in that strength. You see, God wants to add strength to our lives. God wants to add, add uh, help to our lives. You see, his strength is perfect in my weakness. When I am weak, it gives God the ability to show up. You see, that is when God just shines at his best. Whenever I admit my weakness and realize that I must have him. You see, there are things that only God can fix in your life. And we've got to begin to turn that over to him. You see, verse 16 says this. I want you to look at this because this is the second time God says this to Gideon. Verse 16 says, Gideon, I will be with you. Take your name out. Take Gideon's name out. Put your name in there. Mark, I'll be with you. John, I'll be with you. Cindy, I'll be with you. Kim, I'll be with you. You see, we need to understand that when God is on our side, the deal is done. We need to understand that when God joins with us, the deal's done. It's a done deal. God's not going to allow his name to run through the mud. We don't need to worry about it anymore. We don't need to lie awake at night and run it over in our heads. How are we going to fix this? We can quit biting our fingernails. <laughs> we can rest in the peace and, and the comfort and the joy because God's not going to bail out on us. Let me illustrate this for you. I am the oldest of three boys. Two younger brothers. My two brothers got me in more fights than I care to mention. I think both of them are here today, and this is the honest to God truth. They picked more fights that I had to finish than I can care to mention. And most of the time, my Superman cape didn't work. But there were times that they did this. My, my youngest brother, he had this, this thrill that he, as a, as a youngster, would, would take rocks. And as cars would come down the street in front of us, he would throw the rock, try to get it across the hood of the car, and just see how close he could get it as the car was passing by. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun. This one particular day, this one dude's coming down our street. My brother hurls a rock, and somehow, I don't know how, but as he's moving towards the stop sign, the rock just is it's perfect. I, I, it goes and hits the back windshield, and thousands of shards of glass everywhere. My brother's eyes get pop out about that big. He turns around, and he's booking it to the house faster than I've ever seen him move. He comes flying by me screaming, he's going to kill me, he's going to kill me, he's going to kill me. The dude flips it around in the middle of the intersection, does a 360, and he's flying up. And he says, don't tell him where I'm at. Don't tell him where I'm at. He's going to kill me. He comes flying by me, running into the house. He runs back to my mom and dad's bed and hides under the bed. And I'm thinking to myself, mm -hmm, nobody's going to come in this house and kill you. I put my hands on my hips. I go outside and stand under the carport. Waiting on this dude to come up. He comes flying up in the driveway. He jumps out of his car. He's running towards me. I looked at his eyes. His eyes said, I'm going to kill somebody. So I said to him, looks like to me, you're going to kill somebody. 
He said, I sure am. I said, he's in the back bedroom underneath the bed. <laughs> Listen, mama didn't raise no fool. That dude was big. Did I say it was a girl? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, just kidding. Listen, here's my point. God will not bail on you like that. Once God partners with you, he is your source, he's your defender, he's your strength, he's your hope, he's, he's your bright and morning star, he's your everything, and he will see to it if you'll avail yourself to him that you have a victory. Here's, here's the next thing that happens. Gideon, he begins to fall into plan here. He says, okay, I'm going to gather up these troops. He gathers 32,000 men, and once he gathers these men up, all of a sudden God comes to him and he says, here's the second law you need to learn. You need to learn the law of supernatural subtraction. Gideon, you're going to fight 200,000 men. Whoa, 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 I've got 32,000. How am I going to do that, God? He said, you're not going to do it with 32,000. Tell the ones who are scared to go home. Whoa. 22,000 people filed out, left. Gideon's like, what in the world? We're going backwards. What's going on here? And then all of a sudden, God comes to him and says, you know what? You still have too many. Take them down to the river, and I want you to to see how they drink water. Those that put themselves in the water and drink, I want you to send them to one side. Those that kind of pick the water up and lap it like a dog, you send them to the other. 9,700 of them picked or, or went down into the water and drank. 300 of them picked the water up and lapped it like a dog. 300 dog lappers. So all of a sudden, Gideon says, okay, God, I see what you're doing. I'm going to be using the 9,700. Oh, no, you ain't tell them to go home what 300 dog lappers you want me to go into battle with them you see you need to know this god and that's let me step to the side here real quick you need to understand that god will send people to help you complete the purpose that god has for you there are 300 sidekicks that Gideon has here, and he's enabled by these 300 sidekicks to perform God's destiny for his life. There are people around you right now that will help you do the same thing. But you have to also understand that God will, will subtract some things in your life. And he was doing just that for Gideon. He was removing things from his life. Sometimes he'll do that because we don't need them. In fact... Sometimes we're holding on to things that are holding us back and God reaches in and he removes them. Some of you today, you're doing the same thing. You're being held back by something or someone. Let me ask you this question as we close. I'm going to ask our our team to come back to the stage. What needs to be subtracted from your life? What needs to be subtracted from, from your life? What's holding you back? Is it fear? Is it your fear of failure? Is it problems? Is it difficulties? Because can I say this to you today? There are several hundred mighty warriors in this place today. God so wants to reach into your life and help you become that mighty warrior. But there are some things that we need to let go of. There are some things that only God can break. Maybe it's failure. Maybe it's even sin. 
What do you need to let go of? Some of you today, you're paralyzed by fear and you don't know how to take a step. You, you don't know how to finish up what God's asked you to do. You know, the Bible says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Some of you haven't felt the touch of God in so long and you've just kind of quit the fight. Maybe, maybe you haven't even jumped into it. You feel like your life is nothing but unfinished business. You don't know which direction to turn. Can I share something with you? This is a story. I love this story. Back in the 1968 Olympics, Mexico City, there was this runner. His name was John Stephen Aquari. This guy was running a race, and as he was running the race, he was from Tantania. As he was running the race, he fell and he got massively injured. He, he became just a mess. His face was he broke his jawbone, his eye orbital sockets. He broke his nose. He, he knocked out teeth. Uh, he was unconscious. They picked him up, put him on a stretcher, put him in an ambulance, took him to the hospital. The people in the race continued to run. Several hours later, the ambulance pulls back up. Most of the crowd had gone home. The back of the ambulance doors open up and John Stephen Aquari jumps out and begins to run. People are not real sure as to what he's doing. He's running and he's running and he's running and finally he finishes up and a reporter runs up to him and he says... What are you doing? Didn't you know the race was finished? He said it wasn't finished for me. He said, you see, my country did not send me 7,000 miles to win this race. But my country did send me 7,000 miles to finish it. Today, more than ever before, I'm pouring my heart out to you to say... Some of you need God to help you, all of us in some way. Some of you more specifically than others to help you finish the race. Stand to your feet, bow your heads.